Hello, and welcome to Earshot episode number four. With the new year passing a few weeks ago, I thought it might be special to do an episode about 2021. For me, it was a very busy and strenuous year, but there were lots of great gems along the way. In thinking about this episode, I realized that there was so much great music that happened in 2021, as I was going through recordings I was familiar with and remembering back on performances that I remembered. As with a lot of things in the pandemic, many of these performances were attended online and are luckily archived so I can go back and enjoy them. But as I was trying to curate a playlist and thinking about what kind of music to include, it struck me that there was so much music that I had missed and so much amazing music that I hadn't heard last year. So I thought that this playlist would be a collection of music that I hadn't heard from 2021, or that I had missed or was too busy to hear. And I think that maybe this gives us a chance to reflect back on, on how much amazing music has been created, especially contemporary art music, in the last few years. So I've organized a playlist with six selections. Um, these selections are Nina Young's Drink Rain, which is a stereo piece of electronic music. Um, Peyton McDonald's, actually a few selections from Peyton McDonald's albums collections that he's recorded over the last year and a half now. Um, those are really special. There's actually three selections from those works that I've put together and counting them as one. The next is Austin White's Multiple Chains for Piano. Up after that is Andil Kumalo's The Broken Mirrors of Time. And then Forbes Graham's String Quartet Number 3. And then Ingrid Stotzel's Musica Ignota. This playlist is mostly music I didn't hear until I started looking to put together a playlist with music from 2021. So I hope that you enjoy these selections and enjoy the playlist. Today I've brought on Austin White to help me with some commentary. Austin White is a composer living in State College, but just like me and Contemporary Art Music Project, he's originally from the Tampa Bay area. I hope you enjoy tonight's episode. We've picked out some really special pieces and are excited to share them with you. As I will say later in the episode, there's a couple of different ways you could listen to this. You could either go and listen to the whole playlist ahead of time to familiarize yourself with the music, or as we're going, you could pause and listen to the pieces, which we did as we talked about them. We sort of talked about them right after listening to them. Um, so if you're listening live, it might be best, hopefully, to listen to the playlist ahead of time. Or if you are just picking it up after it's been published, then it might be nice to pause and listen to each of these selections. The selections can be found in the show notes, so go check it out. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Earshot Podcast from Contemporary Art Music Project. I'm your host, Tucker Johnson. I'm joined today by Austin White, a composer who was born and raised in Tampa Bay, Florida, like myself and like the Contemporary Art Music Project. Um, Austin is currently pursuing his bachelor's degree at Penn State, where I, I briefly uh, shared a room with him. I'm excited to share this podcast with him this evening. Austin, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm super excited to be here and listen to all this wonderful music. So first on our playlist tonight is Nina Young's piece, Drink Rain. 
I think it's pretty fitting for us to start with a piece which was uh, completed over the New Year's season last year, according to the description on SoundCloud. She wrote it in Puerto Rico between December 25th, 2020 and January 2nd, 2021. So it's sort of ushered in the new year about a year ago with this piece. Drink Rain by Nina C. Young. Yeah, so wow, that piece is really crazy. It kind of like, uh, it, uh, feels like it, it, uh, it goes through so many different uh, phases or states. It's almost like um, uh, uh, we end up uh, maybe not where we thought we were at the beginning with these like really raw sort of like loud um, synthesizer tones and into this sort of like groovy drum beat thing in the middle uh, oh, yeah. all the way to the like um, the ending, which almost sounds like a, like a music box. Um, the spatialization has this like music box effect of it sort of cycling around your head. Yeah, it's really gorgeous. I mean, it, it definitely has this sort of gradient nature, and it's like this feeling of just musical interpolation. And also the use of such like heavy synth material is like really interesting to me as a decision. Like I haven't, it's been a while since I've listened to an electronic work that had such a, a focus on synth material. And the way it blends with uh, particularly like the bird motives in the beginning, it's like this this strange feeling of like almost transcendentalism, but in this like new state of technology, it's really gorgeous. Yeah, I find that uh, uh, as I'm listening to this piece, I, I'm always sort of um, holding on to where I am. It's sort of like um, I, I don't want it to move from what I'm listening to when I'm currently there. I feel almost sort of dragged away from it when something changes. Mm. And I, I mean that in like a good way. It's sort of like um, uh, uh, I, I feel so enriched by the sounds that are happening in every at every moment that I almost don't want them to go away. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then the, the presence of this of this uh, the, the sort of like um, voice, this sort of uh, uh text-to-speech mm. voice um, speaking the text, which is excerpted from Kim Adonisio's poem Muse. Uh, the, the text that's used specifically in the piece is Drink Rain from the Pulse at My Throat, which is sort of fragmented and you get little pieces of it. You get a lot of Drink Rain, and then uh, uh, towards the end of the little drum beat section, you get um, you get the Pulse at My Throat part of the, part of the phrase. Uh, um, yeah, which is such a great choice. Um, I definitely feel like a sort of influence of like some aspect of like IDM like and uh, especially like when, when the drum break comes in it almost although I didn't quite hear like an actual um, uh, sampling it feels like that Amen, Amen break-esque sort of like reference as well which is really interesting um, which I find like kind of fits really well with this poem yeah. Um, definitely yeah and this this piece is so um, I guess so different from uh, the other purely electronic piece that she produced in 2021. Mm. Um, I don't know if you were familiar with it, but she did a uh, wave field synthesis piece with 20, 20 audio sources. Oh, wow. Um, later on in 2021, um, the piece, I think the piece is called Phosphorescent Devotion. Ooh. Um, and it's like this crazy surround 20 sound source wave field synthesis piece that um, is just like uh really um sort of different from this piece it's uh it, this piece is so much more um not more but it's so much focused uh on on uh i guess sort of one thing at a time or mm. this sort of um i i feel like i can uh i, I don't need to like have 20 uh, uh sources to get all of the information in this piece absolutely it sort of comes yeah. right at you um and it's very close yeah yeah 
no i it's really beautiful mm. um yeah so that was we were talking about drink rain by uh nina young it's a piece that was produced at the very beginning of last year um and if you haven't listened to it already i recommend you go check it out on her soundcloud um so if you're if you're just joining us uh you can follow along with the links in the show description for the playlist um each piece is sort of listed with a link for where you can go listen to it and you can probably find some information on it there and if there's any other information austin and i will or i will point it out and uh make it clear Mm. um so up next we have a a really wonderful collection of three pieces actually by um composer percussionist indian classical musician peyton mcdonald um Peyton McDonald is an amazing sort of polymath musician who traverses all of these different kinds of music, always with a very, very creative lens. Mm -hmm. Um, I I believe he prefers for the music that he creates to be called creative music. Um, Mm -hmm. Remember for the the couple of conversations that I've had with him. Um, And he embarked on this huge project about uh, a little over a year ago, I believe October of 2020, to record 52 albums in 52 weeks. So he's going to record a full album of recorded music every week for an entire year. Um, And he he was successful in doing that. He recorded 52 albums and finished up this past October. And it's a really amazing project. But uh, he actually decided to just keep going. So he's now at, I think, 64 albums or something, and he plans on going to 100 or, or at least two years worth of, of albums every week. And these are like full production uh, recordings, and, and they, wow. they've got lots of different kinds of content. There's um, sort of uh, experimental improvisation, things where he's building mallets to play the marimba with, like really interesting, putting uh, attaching ping pong ball to the mallets. Um <laughs> I remember he polled online to see what what to call those, and he ended up calling them stochastics. Um, sort of <laughs> that's uh, fantastic because of the really? way that they sort of randomly flop on the on the marimba bars. And then he's doing projects like um, continuations of his super marimba project, which is something he's been doing for many years, which is mm. a sort of minimal improvisation practice with electronics um, that's almost creates this sort of um, trance psychedelic music. Mm. Um, uh, so yeah, I have three sele- I picked out three selections from the last year of album recordings that he's done. Um, two features in them. Uh, the first one is a an improvisation recording with um, uh, saxophonist Aaron Rodgers and Pitt McDonald playing percussion. Um, the second is a solo improvisation recording um, from one of the other Explorations albums. Um, and the third is this sort of super marimba minimal project with... Um, uh, uh, Indian tabla player Sean Matavetsky, who's a Canadian-based um, tabla player, who is a really amazing um, Indian classical musician. Mm. Um, yeah, so let's dive in. Open two, pulse release, and elements by Peyton McDonald. Yeah, I mean, like Peyton's work here is like so huge I, I it's difficult for me to even imagine listening to all of it and trying to comprehend all of it um absolutely like, like he has come out with one of these full-length albums not just these little tracks every week for like 64 weeks now and like i can't listen to i don't have enough time to like listen to that that amount of music each week as they come out and I spent like quite a bit of time digging through these, listening to ones. So these selections that I've picked out are from a fairly small collection of them from this past fall that I've, I've really listened to a lot. But there's so much in these. There's um, mm. there's complete albums of um, uh, 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 Hindustani music played on 
uh, marimba, sort of interpreted on, on the marimba, and then uh, a whole other collection of, of um, Peyton singing. Peyton is a, a, a professional Drupad singer. I mean, his voice mm. is insane, and his, uh, his ability with that kind of music is really, really staggering. Um, yeah, so the, the first selection we had was Open 2 um, from Explorations 34, which features uh, saxophonist Aaron Rodgers. Um, this this like just this track is like really staggering with the the sort of musicianship and uh the kind of absolutely listening between the two the two players um yeah it's highly unusual to be a to be able to experience such high levels of musicianship and create compositional creativity for me i mean um i've had the pleasure of working with aaron Rodgers in the past with uh the group hypercube and i mean just the timbral shifting that she can do with the saxophone i mean when i first listened to this i thought it was microphone feedback um in the beginning um an unbelievable sense of space and this recording has amazing rhythmic com uh, propulsion and fascinating contours really yeah the sense of rhythm is something i was really drawn to especially there's like um there's this uh communication between pushing and pulling it's not this sort mm. of like regular sort of um uh metered rhythm so much as it is this sort of um uh almost dialogical rhythm of these uh mm. two these two like characters pushing and pulling at each other um in, in different ways where sometimes they'll be layering in such a way where the, the two kinds of layers are completely different but they suggest a different kind of temporality and those those sort of reach across into each other's parts um each other's performances um yeah yeah, no, absolutely. I'd, I'd be interested to know about the process of them getting together or recording it, um, yeah. you know, given the time of year um, with COVID and stuff, because I just, you know, with social distancing and all of that taken into mind, like the amount of listening and just like, you know, frankly, musical groove is just, it's bar none. It really is. Yeah, and I mean, like, again, situating in this project, Peyton writes on his website about this project that each recording he does takes about 20 hours a week of, of work. Um, wow. And especially the open improvisation solo ones, he says, move fairly quickly. But that doesn't account for the thousands of hours of study and practice that has gone into him, you know, being the musician that he is, which I think mm -hmm. is, like, really what's on display here, um, uh, his, the, the amount of creativity and the amount of... Um, power that Peyton has as a musician in the the second track which is um pulse release um from explorations 39 which was released later um in the fall a couple of weeks after the one with Aaron Rodgers um which is a very short track I picked that one out particularly because it sort of displays Peyton's uh virtual virtuosity on the marimba um like it, hmm. It's really hard for me to tell if this piece is completely improvised or even composed. It has this quality of like um, this like uh, crystalline quality where it, it, it feels um, so intelligently put together. Um, Absolutely. I mean, it to me, it was like it felt like this structure was unfolding that had this like sort of serialist quality, quality, some sort of European influence, yet the fact that it's improvised with the interval content and the way it was like spinning out and the rhythmic sort of nuances was like unbelievable. Yeah. 
I mean, if I could improvise like this, I don't think I'd ever write a note down. A yeah, day in my the, life. no, the um, the especially like the 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 way that it uh, just sort of drives forward with this incredible complexity, but it what, what feels like such tight control. It's mm. um, it's like really an incredible performance and and uh, really a, an amazing release. That that album as a whole has these uh, tracks like this on it, and, and many of the explorations ones do. Um, the, the last one that I, I shared is the, um, the elements track from Super Marimba 13. Um, Super Marimba is a project that, of Peyton's that's go, goes beyond this, just this 52 week project or this 64 week now project. Um, Super Marimba is something he's been doing for many, many years. And, and, and it started as a sort of practice of marimba improvisation with, um, looping pedals, um, and looping software. Mm. Um, he would do these long, long live performances with the marimba creating these sort of minimal textures and these sort of slowly unfolding um uh, uh, uh repetitive music that is really um actually it's very, very captivating and um hmm. and really incredible that it's done sort of on the fly um i picked this one out particularly because sean matavetsky is also included playing tabla and i think the tabla fits really tabla yeah the tabla fits really well into this texture um uh, especially like there's that moment in the middle where the marimbas kind of release and, and the tabla plays these little cadenzas that are are so like incredibly like beautiful and um timbrely interesting um mm. and and there's also a, a large amount of electronic sort of manipulation on this track there's you know distorted marimba and there's marimba sort of turned into this like sort of bass baseline sounding instrument um I was curious about that because it really felt like a double bassist was just holding down a groove. And yeah. I was like, how is that possible? It was a really great manipulation. Yeah, I know. I know Peyton's been working quite a bit with, with I think, I think in Ableton um, to, to mm. produce these kinds of sounds. And uh, it really comes through in, in this track, especially on Elements. But I mean, these projects as a whole are, are insane. I'm just like scrolling through his website right now and, and I see... Um, things that he's done a couple of the albums involve fixed compositions from composers who he's commissioned um he made the first solo marimba recordings of music by anthony braxton elliot sharp and barry guy um oh wow he made the first ever marimba recording of hindustani music as i mentioned before but these are like groundbreaking albums and he's doing them every week they're they're like they're really really crazy um really amazing uh powerful works and, and and a couple of the one more recent ones that he's been producing come with these graphic scores that he's produced for the for the performances, especially with some of the the uh, the work he's done in uh, collaboration with others. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean these these pieces are just incredible, um, just just crazy. Um, and and again, like it, it it's so much work that is it's almost staggering for me to imagine digging into it. So I recommend just start with one, just pick one out, uh, scroll through his. Uh, uh, Bandcamp page and just click on something and listen to it. It's almost like how you need to um, appreciate it, um, and and buy a couple yeah. of them to to help financially support this project. I mean, it's it's a huge amount of time put into something, um, which it would be sad if it gets sort of missed. Yeah, the scale of this work is just unbelievable. I mean, really, like this is the kind of thing you can go and just have a wonderful weekend listening to. Oh yeah, um, yeah, for forever. Just keep going, finding another recording. Yeah. All right. So up next, we have um, a piece by you, Austin. And uh, I didn't want to have you on without sharing a little bit of your music. And this piece in particular, Multiple Chains, which was was uh, 
people probably haven't heard it yet um uh unless you they were at the concert at penn state uh, as i think uh it was premiered at but mm. um the um uh, this piece was premiered last semester, but uh, the recording wasn't available online until until the beginning of this year. So people may not have heard it yet. But um, this piece is uh, multiple chains for solo piano. Multiple chains by Austin White. Wow, Austin, that piece is really gorgeous. It sort of uh, it unfolds at a pace which feels um, so um. I guess almost friendly and um, to mm. me almost sort of uh, inviting. It sort of invites me to listen to the very individual things that are going on in the piece. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, um, it was a really uh, unusual process of composing it. It's sort of, uh, I was working on looking into these sort of all twice saturated, all trichord in chains. Um, kind of thing and can you explain I, very quickly what that is just for people who may not know yeah absolutely um, it's pretty much like um, you start with a trichord and then by adding each consecutive pitch to it um, you make sure that it completes um, a consecutive trichord that has an M relationship to it um, which is a kind of pitch relationship that comes from multiplying um, a group of pitches which you can put on a pitch clock wheel um, and when you multiply them um, oftentimes you'll get another set of pitches um, and since there's only 12 notes and the western 12 tone equal temperament system you do modulus 12 multiplication but it's pretty much like just organizing these cycles of notes um, preserving these relationships, these multiplication relationships among them. So if I'm understanding um, correctly, it's sort of like a chain of a trichord, and then the next trichord would be the, the last two of the previous trichord and the first next note, yeah. is that correct? So the the, tri the trichords overlap into these chains, these chains of multiplication transformations. Yeah. Okay, that uh, makes sense. I couldn't have said yeah. it better myself. Okay. Um, and yeah, while I was doing it... Um, or just messing around with these sort of unique objects, um, I just put a couple against each other and immediately spit out the whole composition. And it sort of reminded me of this story about Robert Helps when he was composing um, his homages. One of them um, he was working on, I forget who he was studying with, he brought in and the person was literally like, it's done, it's finished, even though he sort of didn't do much but just wrote the scaffolding and I felt it was quite apropos um, once the sort of system just spit itself out to uh, just say it's said and done and I was fortunate enough to work with Parker Conkle the pianist who's just an unbelievable musician and uh, very grateful that he sunk his teeth into it um, and also he's having his senior recital here at Penn State April 8th um, and we're going to be working together on another piece to premiere then, too. Will that be available to live stream? Do you know? Um, I believe so, yes. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, well, well, I'll make sure I share it. I share it on, on the internet when I when we get to it. And uh, maybe plug it again on our show if it's closer. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah, no, no, but Parker's interpretation of this piece is really amazing. I, or like Again, with this sort of, like, putting the piece together and it just sort of... Um, 
it just sort of happening from looking at these objects. I, I, I sort of felt that in the piece and, and the title evokes this as well. Um, mm. uh, I remember upon listening to it for the first time or at the very beginning of the piece, I sort of felt that um, that these chains were reaching up where you sort of had these chains going from the bottom of the piano to the top of the piano. But as things sort of settled in, I started to realize that what you have are these chains really locked into um, registers and you feel them sort of progress mm. at different speeds. And that was that was particularly one of the most interesting things with listening to this is feeling that sort of combination of multiple temporalities um, mm. uh, all sort of marching along these little strands. Um, and it, it leads for a really amazing listening experience where you, you have these um, these little chains to follow as you're mm. as you're listening. Um, and yeah, then, it's really interesting. Like it's made me think a lot about like composing sometimes structures is like you start with this two-dimensional piece of uh, instruction like and then you shine these like lights to give it the sh a shadow of this two-dimensional object and what you construct around this shadow and what you mold is this piece because really all I had was pitch and time not no dynamics no anything like that and from there it's like just modeling um, this simple structure to and in this case, just putting it straight to the piano. But yeah, it's definitely writing this piece has given me a lot to think about moving forward. Yeah, I, I think I, I my thought immediately is I would love to hear something like this for an ensemble where, where the voices are very um, easy to delineate. It's sort of here you sort of have to, you sort of have to parse the pieces, the, the voices almost. I mean, they're they're fixed in their register, but um, it would be interesting to hear this for almost like an orchestra where where you can sort of. Uh, assign these um kinds of voices or to uh to a chain mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah thank you thank you so much for sharing this piece i'm really glad we got to, got to share it on the show um yeah thank you um so up next we have a uh a really amazing composition by andil kumalo um who is a composer who's born in south africa and um studied composition in the U.S., um, went to Columbia and studied with George Lewis, and is now a, a, a very well-established um, composer writing really complex, uh, not so much complex, I guess, that's maybe the wrong word, really intricate and um, uh, incredibly thorough pieces of music. Um, I, I really mm -hmm. can't highlight enough how much um, his music feels um, just sort of uh, thought about um, mm -hmm. in, 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 a, in a very serious way. Um, uh, this piece is uh, The Broken Mirrors of Time is the title. It was written for uh, Klangforum Vine uh, and performed at uh, uh, Dona Eschinger this past uh, uh, fall. The Broken Mirrors of Time by Andil Kumalo. Right. Yeah, that piece is really stunning. It's got so much breadth to it. It's sort of... Um, uh, is in this constant state of flux where um, you're never really, really um, comfortable where you are, but uh, the the music is always uh, propelling you somewhere. Um, I mean, the the sort of progression of the piece it feels to have this. It feels like it has this very um, uh, sure direction that it's moving in, mm. um, where it, it 
it, it does feel like there is this sort of process unfolding, mm -hmm. but um, you never really know what the next step is. You sort of know what the goal is, not so much what the next step to get there. Yeah, it definitely sounds like this really conscious unfolding of material. Um, and it's just, I mean, the tr with the tremendous orchestration and like these motives disseminating naturally out of these moments of, of more rest and more activity, you know, it, it's just an unbelievable piece with a gorgeous timbral and harmonic landscape. I remember uh, first listening to this around like two minutes and 30 seconds and I hear this nice Lydian tetrachord take over in the piano and all these harmonies just start cascading out of it. And it's just unbelievable. I mean, it feels like some sort of ultimate organic force is unfolding. It's, yeah. Yeah. And it, I, you know, you get that impression right at the very beginning, at least for me. Like mm. you hear the first couple of seconds, and you almost immediately know that this piece is going to go everywhere. It's going yeah. to sort of like spread out and take over everything, um, and do every kind of texture you you can imagine it doing. Um, and then some, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. It, it, um, it has this incredible ability. It has this incredible continuity and disjunct character, where you have these. Uh, it's almost improvisational. It feels like mm. where you have. Um, uh, these sort of sounds like the trills at one point near the beginning that sort of all sort of dovetail into each other and you never really know which instrument has the trill or uh. where it is or or something like the sort of um, breakdown of this chorale section a couple minutes later where, where you have these chords and then the piano comes in and, and, and uh, uh, gives it some sort of movement and vitality that you that, that, that changes what's going on mm. quite drastically. Um, uh, yeah, no, I... I, I I, I, I listened to uh, a piece by Kamala live last semester. Um, Eastman's Musica Nova Ensemble did um, uh, 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 Kumalo's Invisible Self, which is a, a similar kind of ensemble piece um, from the year prior. Um, that was on a concert uh, with... Uh, uh, Solar by Kaya Sarayaho, which is a, a, mm. a large symphonietta piece, and Assemblage by um, uh, George Lewis, which is another sort of uh, medium medium size uh chamber orchestra piece um and and this ensemble feels like it's um been uh, uh is, is really like effective at doing these kinds of acrobatic things that you may not you may not do with an orchestra but mm. um you really can you really can achieve that sort of intricate um dance with this kind of ensemble um yeah yeah this piece is just really like mind-blowing yeah, it really is what I would do to have that level of just creativity with orchestration. I mean, truly unbelievable. And yeah. well said with the size of the ensemble. That didn't occur to me, but absolutely. Yeah. It feels like every line is just perfectly balanced um, amongst every other and interwoven. Um, it's truly spectacular. Yeah, I wrote I wrote a symphonietta piece this past um, uh, season as well this past fall, hmm. um, and uh, that, that also really heavily featured the piano. This piece is actually listed as, um, or, or sorry, uh, the Kumalo piece, Broken Mirrors of Time, is actually listed as for piano and large ensemble. Ah. Um, so um, uh, uh, it sort of it has uh, it maybe isn't um, it, the, the piano part isn't very obligato. It has like this very prominent role mm. and the piece that i wrote this past semester is very similar the piano plays this almost soloistic role sort of leading the ensemble through um and i think that helps with the the sort of um 
acrobatic feeling of it. You know, when mm. the piano comes in, things really get going. They really start to have this uh, this uh, feeling of um, urgency. Um, Absolutely. I mean, it's should be stated. I mean, this is just phenomenally idiomatic piano writing um, for your piece as well. I quite enjoy that piece. Um, yeah, it's that was something that definitely occurred across my mind. Um, uh, the use of space, like the register and exactly like how textures are brought through is just, there is this sort of essence of writing for the piano with an orchestra or with a large ensemble that there are these nuances to it um, that you can really tell when somebody, you know, exploits. And this is definitely one of those pieces. Yeah, yeah. I also feel that this piece sort of connects with some of the other things that we've listened to um, uh, in this playlist, specifically the, the very first piece, the, the actually the electronics piece by uh, Nina Young. Mm. It has this similar um, uh, kind of development where you you um, where you don't know where you're going. I know I said that already, but like mm. it's sort of um, it feels like these two pieces almost connect for me in a way. Um, this sort of and, mm. and, and again, it actually connects yeah. with your piece. Also, there's this sort of something to listen to and for. There's this, like, there are things to trace and uh, uh, a sort of trajectory to surmise. Um, yeah, I could see that. Um, it actually comes to mind uh, a conversation I once had with um, Robert Morris about Volpa's music. And um, in one of his symphonies, it ends with this pentatonic chord, which is just comes strikingly out of nowhere, but when you revisit it through like memory the piece and this i think applies to a lot of the listening we've done so far there feels like this sense of like fatalistic inevitability even though it's so unpredictable in the moment the the pleasure of revisiting through musical memory is really enriching and feels like everything is in its right place in that sense yeah, actually mentioning Volpe is actually feels like a, a very good comparison to the to the Kumalo piece. Mm. There's a the number of Volpe pieces that feel very much like this piece. They have this sort of um, uh, a feeling right off the bat where we're going to go everywhere. Um, mm. We're going to do everything that we can with this ensemble um, and with these materials laid out in front of us. Mm. Yeah. Um, so up next, we have a, a string quartet, a, a rather long string quartet by, um, I guess maybe not that long, it's about 20 minutes, by um, composer Forbes Graham. Um, this piece is written for a jack quartet. It's titled String Quartet Number no. 3. Um, and it has a dedication uh, to Latoya Ruby Frazier. Um, and I, I really wanted to share this piece. It sort of stumbled upon me in the December month just just in the past and and uh, it, it felt like something that um i really wanted to share on this podcast at some point and this this episode seemed perfect string quartet number three by forbes graham man that string quartet is like really it's probably one of the the I know it's the longest piece on our playlist, but it's it's also mm. probably one of the most maybe unique or sort of um, it stands out for its sort of character and its sort of boldness. Yeah, absolutely bold. Um, Forbes Graham's work always captivates me and its uniqueness and creativity. I remember discovering some of the 10 days um, 
and uh, which is an album he released on Bandcamp, um, and just immediately falling in love with his work. Um, just in this piece particularly, the absolute bare bones sort of uh, simplicity of the strings writing and the somewhat sparse interjections of the electronics, it just... it it's highly captivating and meditative, but at the same time, there's a severe sense of, of tension and unease uh, that can just occur somehow simultaneously. Um, truly unique work. Yeah. I, you know, I have done a little bit of research, uh, like since discovering this piece and um, I spent a little bit of time specifically with, um, the dedication to Latoya Ruby Fraser really sparked my interest because I had seen some of her photography and in sort of um, in very public places where it had been sort of on the news and whatnot. Hmm. But um, I went I went and looked through some of her work and I, I got the I got the sudden I was sort of hit all of a sudden by what the by this piece and um, by maybe what it connects to it. it I I. I almost feel like looking at photographs when listening to the piece. Like um, oh. you're you're being you're almost walking through a gallery or, or, or scroll. Actually, it feels almost more like clicking through a gallery on a computer to me. Oh um, yeah. Where where you you get each each sound is a sort of new image. It, it's sort of similar and, and it's maybe in the same color. It's the same black and white as the previous image, but mm. it is has a completely different shape. And mm. I, I think one of the most bold things about this piece has to do with the way the performers play, where it's it, it's almost always only one performer playing at a time. There's only one member of the string quartet playing at mm. a time. There's a handful of moments where they're they're playing. They're, they never all play at the same time. Or it doesn't it, they may all play at the same time? But I, I didn't like take note of it when it happened. Mm. Um, I did notice when maybe two or three people were doing things that were different from each other because that was a very different texture for most of the piece, but. Mm. Um, I will say that, like, for for a lot of the piece, it, it, it only one player is playing at the time to- at, at a time, and the piece really, like, I really think it connects with a lot of this this photography, um, uh, especially like clicking through um, uh, Latoya Ruby Fraser's twenty nineteen uh, gallery, The Last Cruise, mm. um, and 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 some of the photographs that she's done in, in Flint, Michigan. It's sort of like. These these things feel very connected, and, and this dedication feels very fitting. Um, mm. it, it makes me wonder about about what what came first, the dedication or the music. Um, mm. I don't know if it if it matters so much all of the time, but um, I I don't know if you feel this connection. I, I, I you have to look through some of the photographs and tell me what you think. But um, absolutely, I, I, I think it has yeah. a almost a physical connection to to looking at these photographs. Yeah, it's really interesting that you brought up this sense of like observation of this like, you know, gallery through like, you know, clicking. Um, That really was that sort of sense of compressed space, yet the room to observe. um, Really, I can get a sense of that through the music. it's really fascinating. I'll have to check out some of the photography. Um, but yeah, I mean, just an unbelievably unique and bold char- yeah. 
characteristically Forbes Graham work right and, here. And what a what a what a really um, spectacular performance from Jack Quartet. I mean, not that, mm-hmm. that, not, that, not that there's anything less than spectacular when Jack Quartet plays, but um, this piece in particular sort of presents a, a very unique challenge, um, sort of logistical challenge. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the concentration must be fierce. Yeah, yeah, almost like playing something like maybe like Feldman or something mm. similar, similar sort of um, uh, space. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So our final, our final piece on this very long playlist uh, curated from from twenty twenty one is uh, Ingrid Stotzel's Musica Ignota, and I, I want to take this time really quickly to sort of step away from what we're doing and um, just very briefly remind everyone that um, in March the Contemporary Art Music Project. Um, is hosting Campground 22, and th- this festival will involve three concerts on March 24th, 25th, and 26th, um, all in the Tampa Bay area. Um, one, The one on the 24th is at the Morian Center for Clay in St. Petersburg. The one on the 25th of March is at St. Andrew's Episco- Episcopal Church in Tampa, Florida. And the 26th of March concert is at the Florida Museum of Photographic Arts in Tampa, Florida. Uh, there's more information about this festival and about these concerts coming becoming available. Composers, participating composers are listed on the the Campground 22 web uh, web page on the um, Contemporary Art Music Project site. Um, if you're interested in checking those out, and um, the the commission competition winners have also been um, uh, selected as well, and they're listed on the site. Um, I we, we hope that that you guys come check that festival out. And uh, thank you so much for supporting um, Contemporary Art Music Project and all of the work that we're doing with these podcast series, with our concert series, with the um, Project Gut that happened last just last Monday. Um, we, we really appreciate all of the support and all of the, the um, excited participation we've gotten from our audiences. Um, yeah, let's let's listen to uh, or let's let's move on to this last piece. Mm. Ingrid Stutzel's. Musica Ignota. I, I really wanted to include this this piece of Ingrid Stotzel's in this uh, playlist, especially because it's performed by a college ensemble and it's a it's you know a wind ensemble piece. It's not maybe not something that always ends up uh, in our conversations on on our podcast. Um, uh, something that sort of goes missed occasionally, um, and. Uh, I think I think this piece is really really wonderful. I actually I want I want to take a moment to read the the program notes just because I think the the story of the piece is very important. Um, so um, here are Ingrid Stotzel's program notes. Um, the famous Rhineland mystic, nun, healer, and composer Hildegard von Bingen hardly needs an introduction. Recent popular and scholarly discoveries of her music, as well as correspondences and writings on natural healing, have made her famous to the public at large. Her extraordinary achievements, all the more astonishing considering the burden of being a woman in a medieval monastic world, have made her something of an international cult figure. My composition, Musica Ignota, draws inspiration from Hildegard's music as well as her lesser-known invented language system entitled Lingua Ignota, Latin for unknown language. To write this imaginary language, she used an alphabet of 23 letters and created a glossary of over 1,000 beautiful, unknown words, presumably intended as a universal language for mystical purposes. The opening, uh, the opening to the glossary in the Weisbaden Risen Codex disarmingly states that the lingua ignota is an unknown language brought forward by the simple human being Hildegard. 
Having grown up in Rhinelander myself, I have long been fascinated with Hildegard von Bingen, and it is my hope that the unknown music brought forth in my composition, Musica Ignota, serves as to honor her life and work. Wow. So beautifully said. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really I wasn't familiar with the the uh uh lingua ignota I, th- I think it, it leads to like a really wonderful imp- or um uh, uh, uh inspiration for this piece I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean also just the presence of new music for wind ensemble um as well, you know, and the glorious melodic writing. It, it was just this work was a real treat to listen to. Yeah, it's it's really really rich, and um, uh, it, it it maintains some of that maybe like um, uh, uh, not not even uh, chant like but plain like um, uh, simple uh, uh, melodic figure, mm. sort of um, simple in structure but maybe. Um, interesting in ornamentation and uh the the sort of way it unfolds absolutely there's this sort of humbleness to the music which reminds me of the uh previous quote you just read um yeah uh it it really there's something to be said for a music that feels so aware of itself um and this is one of those times when the listening experience, like there's this sort of communal awareness, you know, with the ensemble and composer and the inspiration that just seems really down to earth and humble. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, Thank you so much, Austin, for for joining me for this episode of Earshot. I was really glad to have you on as someone to talk to about these pieces Mm -hmm. and uh, to help me share these pieces with our audience. Um, I hope um, to the audience that that these pieces have been interesting or or maybe something you weren't familiar with that happened in the last year. I know it was a a very busy, busy and tumultuous year for a lot of people. and we can look forward to um, uh, more more wonderful music from these composers and from many other composers and from our own projects, a contemporary art music project. And um, I, I really look forward to what's to come in this year as far as new music is concerned. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure listening to all this wonderful music. <laughs> You have just listened to Earshot episode number four. Tune in Monday nights on YouTube for the rest of the Contemporary Art Music Project podcasts. If you'd like more information about Contemporary Art Music Project, go to contemporaryartmusicproject.org. There you can read about concerts, podcasts, and the upcoming Campground 22 Festival. I am Tucker Johnson, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. (laughs) ¶¶